Milhouse, I don't care what you say. The Taliban is wrong about women's rights. Dude, I... Are we we rolling now? (laughs) Yeah, we're rolling now. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What's up, Milhouse? How are you, bud? Dude, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing better. Better than you were? Better than I better than I was doing, I feel. What's what's going good now? Um I don't know, man. I feel like there for a little bit I didn't have much control over my life at all. You know what I'm saying? Like I look kinda just like lost grasp on on a lot of things. Um and relationships with people that I know. But um I just got my I dug myself into this work hole. And we talked about work holes before. Yeah. Where it's just like an all in dive to just, and it just like you come out of the work hole and you look at all that time that was just gone, you know? And, uh, it really messed with me there for a minute, but you know, I, I did it all with purpose of course, but, uh, it can, it still like drug me down there for a little bit just because I was working so constantly. Well, at your stage in the game too, I mean, you're really just starting out in life. So you don't necessarily always have the resources to just be like, well, I'm going to work this job here and this job here. Mm -hmm. It's like you're dedicated to the music thing and the podcast thing. And then you also still have to make money. Yeah. It wasn't until myself, until I got like fed up with all that shit where I'm like, I'm just going to work, only work things that work within the flow of whatever it is I'm doing. And that just takes practice and time. And it seems like you're starting to really figure it out. Yeah, I I can honestly say that that when I was in the thick of it, I was still practicing. Like the practice was not good. I can say that I still practiced though. But you were still trying. But I was and still trying. That's though. the most important part. And, and like the practice definitely wasn't good. And and when I got out of the work hole, I definitely still felt rusty, but not as rusty as I would have felt if I just didn't practice at all. Yeah. Um. And that that was difficult. Um. For sure, but like taking a step out of it now and and looking at it, I don't ever want to do that again, like that, or put myself in that position to where I'm working 206 hours in three weeks. You know, that's that's a brutal schedule, dude. Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, we watched the sun go up and sun go down for like six days straight, and like, it's just like it it sucks for your mental health. That, that was what was the most... Oh, uh, yeah. The hardest part about that for me wasn't my physical health. Like, I was tired as shit. Don't get me wrong. But, like, the mental part of it, the mental game, was, like, I wasn't living. I was just existing. Well, too, when you're in that kind of mindset and in that mode, you're more apt to do things that make you feel emotional comfort. Or at least I am. Mm-hmm. It's going back to things that necessarily aren't good for me that make me feel... Yeah. Quote unquote safe. Yeah. Like I'm in control. Yeah. No, for sure. Like I, I definitely felt like my felt myself leaning towards that as far as like just, just trying to be comfy when I'm home. Just trying to like don't worry about it. Don't worry about none of it. But I had to I had to really force myself to practice a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because like I know I enjoy I know I enjoy practicing. I love playing more than you know, more than anything. That's why I want to be a musician. But when you're working that hard and you come home, you don't enjoy anything. You like, or at least I don't. When I work that hard and I come home, I don't enjoy anything. You don't want to do anything because your body's just mush. Like when I was doing landscaping, that was from 5 a.m. till 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. And I came home during that time period, dude, and I, I didn't care about anything. 
I just wanted to be left the fuck alone. <laughs> and uh, dude, that's that was one thing that taught me is like jo- jobs can really fuck with like your creativity too, because of if you're overworked all the time like that and you come home, it's just harder to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Versus if you have more freedom in a job. Yeah, I mean. Uh, jobs can definitely suck the creativity out of you, but it, you get to a point to where you have to learn, um, like how to put boundaries around that and, and yeah. have balance for that. Cause yeah, making money is good. Absolutely. And, and it is important to like pay your bills and make your way in the world yeah. and do all the things you're supposed to do. But there's the extra challenge of everything we're doing right now. We're doing for free yeah, or for very cheap. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I seen a meme on Facebook. I don't know if you uh, if you seen what I shared. It was like I I didn't choose the normal nine to five life so I could work twenty four seven. Yeah, <laughs> which is basically what it is, man. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, between gigs and podcasts and all that yeah. shit, it's like we're kind of always on call. Yeah, there are times we we're just not doing anything and just hanging out, but most of the time, yeah, I mean, me and you do hang out, but like, and and I'm not even saying this is necessarily work as much as it is fun for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I enjoy this. Well, but yeah, but it, it is, it is fun. We have the luxury of doing something for fun, but there's shit that we have to do, you know, like I have to make sure I'm ready. If I have like an interview to be prepped for that or to make sure I'm asking the questions I actually want to ask all that shit. And then posting it, I have to make sure I'm home at yeah. a certain time to get it up on time. And so in a lot of ways, it is, you know, there's a lot that goes into that for sure, you know, but it, it's all a part of like the love for doing it, though, you know, like you got to really love it to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100 percent. And you can say the same thing about like recording sessions and putting music out like that's all like like it's fun, but it's also work. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun, and it's work that we don't really get paid for that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it, like getting ready for the recording sessions. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot of necessarily prep time for that. Like, I mean, at Blackbird, we had that. We had one rehearsal. You weren't even there for that. Yeah. So you were just going in completely blind to whatever we had recorded in the studio and just playing along to it. But that comes with like being adaptable. I think that that's pretty important too. You have to be adaptable in mm-hmm. life. Yeah, for sure. You you definitely have to just go like go with the flow. Go with the flow. You know? It, and and but like at the same time you have to try obviously, but like go with the flow of like what what it's what the river's bringing you, I guess, in a sense. Where the three-legged dog where, is. Where the three-legged dog is on the island, you know? You got to find him. But yeah, dude, I, I feel that though, and and sometimes like, I, w- I won't say necessarily the stress, but like the the work of it all can get you overwhelmed and make you not like it. Sometimes it can definitely drag you down. Yes, for sure. Well, that's when you're starting to experience burnout. Mm-hmm. It's like that for me too. There there have been times like this year where you have to you have to rally to get yourself hyped to do something, whether it is a rehearsal after you've been working all day or doing a podcast after you've been working all day. Maybe you didn't get much sleep the night before because you were up working on something else, playing a gig, whatever. But I try and remind myself in those moments, like this is what I want to do and I'm lucky to be able to do this where I'm like, holy shit, I'm living in Nashville. And my six-year anniversary of being in Nashville was um, last week. Oh, wow. 
That's yeah. crazy, man. Congrats. That's, Thanks. That's super cool. Yeah. I mean, part of it is just due to pure brazen stupidity, I think, though. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you got to see Nashville. You've gotten to see it for six years. How would you say that? What, what's changed the most since you've been here? There's more bachelorettes. <laughs> than there was when you first started here? Yeah. I mean, it, it was happening even when I first lived here. Um, But now it's... Yeah, it's crazy. Every fucking weekend. What would you say has changed the most about you since you first moved here? A fucking lot, dude. I mean, I became an actual adult here. You know, I became like living on my own and really self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that's changed. I became way more independent. And I've always kind of been like that, but I also have learned where my strengths and weaknesses really are more so where my weaknesses are because I always kind of knew what my strengths were and I've learned how to wield, wield those better, the strengths, um, an acceptance of the weakness I think is what I've learned. And it's not even necessarily a bad thing. We all have things about us that we're good at that we're not good at. And for a long time I had a very, perfectionist attitude about everything I was doing. Um, and you've probably experienced that to a certain degree, just us working together where I, I like things to be a certain way or like a certain quality, at least. Occasionally you do get nitpicky, you know, a little bit nitpicky, but you always, well, fuck you. Come, you always kind of come back around though. Yeah. Is the thing though. That's what's good about it. You know, you um you might nitpick something for a little bit, but eventually you'll you'll come back around to, you know. Well, that's part part of the thing about growth. It's like I can, I I still am that way, but I I can like after moving away from it for a second, I can acknowledge, okay, I'm just being unrealistic about this. Once I have a minute to think about it, yeah. No, I feel that, um, and I even feel that about some of the some of the things I do for sure. Yeah. When I start getting too nitpicky, you know, it's like, don't let the artist touch his art after it's done type of type of deal, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of people that suffer from that problem. Um, where, yeah. they, where they just want to touch, touch it. And, you know, and that can be dangerous. 100%. Yeah. Because the, the work is never truly done on something. Like you can obsess over something endlessly. Yeah. And I learned from the experience of doing Triple G that that's what uh, what I did with that. Mm. It was too precious to me. You know what I mean? Where working with Vinny actually has taught me a lot too. Yeah. Because when something's good, Vinny's just like, that's good. Yeah. We don't need anything else. I, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate Vinny for that because he definitely, he's shown me a lot. You know? He's given me a lot more perspective about uh, audio and, and just, uh, just recording in general as well, far as that goes. So he's productive. Yeah, he is productive. Like he, he knows when something's not working and when something's not worth following. Yeah. He's just like, don't, don't worry about that. And, and, he, and his music's great too, because of it too. Cause yeah. he's always, he's productive with it and he's, he's getting it done. Yeah. He's getting it done. And he's good. And he's good. So he it's has like, talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he, he came over to the studio a few days ago and we did a mic shootout 
and it, it was super cool just testing all the different mics and their strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that mm-hmm. and that was super cool seeing the way that they work and all that yeah like recording different mics on the piano and recording the different mics on the drum set and it, it was super cool um but he had ideas of ways to record drums that i'd never heard of and it showed me a lot you know so it was definitely a good learning experience and yeah i'm definitely happy to to keep working with him for sure have you listened to the new john mayer album yeah have we talked about this yet on the podcast i I don't we might have but i might not have listened to it yet i don't i don't know if we did or not whatever fuck it we'll talk about it (laughs) um i love it dude I do too. I think um, I think Wild Blue's taking the number one spot on it. That's me. that's my number one too. Yeah. I would probably say that, and then Why You Know Love Me. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, Why You Know Love Me is good. Um, it's just a it, it's a vibe for sure. You know, it's it's definitely a, a fuckboy album. You know, I would consider it a hard hard. Well, fuck, I mean, fuckboy album. Here's the thing: <laughs> Is John Mayer a fuckboy? Isn't he a fuckboy? Uh, probably yes, but he's self aware about it now. And that's what makes it good. I think it, Zach and I were talking about this earlier today. If if he was wasn't self aware about who he is, then um, it wouldn't be as fun to listen to. Like if he still took himself really seriously. Yeah. But I feel like just since his last album and playing with the Grateful Dead and all this cool shit, he he's way more. Uh, aware of who he is artistically and he's like i write these songs about girls breaking up with me (laughs) yeah and still wanting to be with them (laughs) um i love the production style over the whole album it's It's very 80s production it is and uh i feel like we're seeing a lot of that in like some some modern music too for sure i'll be honest though I fucking hate 80s music. You hate 80s music? Yeah, what were you going to say? I cut you off. Oh, I meant like uh, Bruno Mars and and stuff. Yeah, no. That's more 70s, I guess. Well, right? it's it's like 70s and 80s like funk. You yeah, know what I mean? that's what I'm saying. Like I, We're seeing a lot more of that come, come back around, but why? Okay, so you hate 80s music. Like, do you hate Journey? Yeah, I don't like I Journey. Hate, I hate Journey, too. I mean, they have good songs. I can objectively say that they're good. Um... But if they come if they come on the radio, then I'm gonna scan through the radio stations to see what else is on. Yeah. But I'll say this in defensive journey. It might be because I've heard their songs so many fucking times in my life. Yeah. I mean working in a music store did that to me for sure. But so what do you hate the most about eighties music? Like generalizing. I hate the production. You hate the production? Yeah. It all just sounds coked out. I hate the synthesizer sounds. They were probably coked out <laughs> for the most part. But there are some great 80s songs. I like that song, Always Something There to Remind Me. You know that one? Yeah. That's a great song. Um, there are some 80s songs that I like. But for the most part, I hate the nostalgia and the romanticism for the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all from people who were born in the 80s. Yeah, it always seems like, you know, like... 40 year old moms love 80s music you know what i'm saying yeah like it it, i would say that most lovers of 80s music like if you're a connoisseur for 80s music you're you you probably grew up in the 80s yeah because yeah i grew up around a lot of 80s music because my mom yeah you know um so i I, I definitely think that but there was some good bands right there was some good stuff that came out i guess i mean there's some (laughs) some okay stuff i like the Misfits, I love the Misfits. They're a punk band, but they they weren't really 
like mainstream at all. So, you know what I mean? So you liked more of like nineties stuff. 90s music is okay, but I don't really care for 90s music all that much either. There's songs that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I like a, a lot of the uh, the pop hits from the 90s, whether mm-hmm. it's like Smash Mouth or Britney Spears. I like all that stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, I don't really care for 90s either. Mm. I, I feel like the 80s was just the most blah decade for music. And the 90s was like they were trying to come out of it. I would love fucking... Nirvana. Yeah. And I loved Green Day growing up. I don't love them the same way that I did, though. Are they a a band that, like, uh, didn't age with you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I would say that 100%, you know, because it was like I was so into it whenever it was first coming out like first coming out like American Idiot, you know, it was it was the big album at the time when I first started playing music. So I was so in love with it. Um, but now it, it, or My Chemical Romance, that's another good example. Yeah. Like they're they're like Green Day and My Chemical Romance. They're, they're very of the times. Yeah. Of the times that they, they were from. Mm -hmm. And there's still things I can listen back to them now and remember, oh, I really like this or even find some musical merit in the, the songwriting or whatever. But now it's like my taste have, um, matured and developed yeah further than than just like the pop band radio stuff because yeah. that, that's what both those bands are and there's nothing wrong with it but now i mean if, if a, a good song is a good song no matter what mm-hmm. it's like i love that doja cat song kiss me more you know that one yeah it's a great song the production on it's great i can say that for yeah sure. i mean it it, it, it sounds good you know, like when I listen to it, it's pleasing to listen to for sure. It's a good song. Um, there's that one song by Dua Lipa that I really liked there for a while. Uh, Levitating. That's a good that's song. A, that's a good song. Like, I I won't even deny that. Like, it's a good song. Um, but I think we gravitate towards that. It's it's pop music, but it's played with real instruments. At least drums and bass. Yeah, those sound real, and they're using like drum machines and shit too. But it sounds like it was studio musicians at least laid down like, yeah, four bars, and then they loop them. <laughs> and then you know what left. I mean? <laughs> yeah. But they probably never got to meet any of them either. <laughs> they just walked in there and laid it down. But I'll say this: like all that, um, all this uh, TikTok music—that's what I call it. I, I classify it all under TikTok music. But um, dude, they all have really, really grooving bass lines. All of them. That's well, one thing that's like the same with all, like all TikTok music is they all have groove and bass lines. It's uh, like uh, that one song, Super Lonely. Yeah. That has a great bass line to it. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, they all have groove and bass lines, and I would consider the vocal the main instrument of each track. Well, it's pop music. Yeah. You know, it, it's all about the lyrics and the, the melody. Yeah. Sonically, though, like they're amazing. Yeah. Sonically, like, they're fantastic. Well, you got to think, too, we have the most tools at our disposal that we've ever had as musicians, producers, songwriters, all yeah. of that. And that Im- informs whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah. I, I don't know who uh, who the audio engineers or who the mixing engineers were for those, but they did a fantastic job. I mean... It's probably just some kid <laughs> in, his, in his fucking bedroom. Probably. Except for Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke produced Say So. Oh, really? By Doja Cat. Yeah. You know about Dr. Luke? 
Uh, kind of. I've heard him. A, so a he lot. produced Kesha, Katy yeah, Perry, that's where, yeah, and uh, Kelly Clarkson, all those. But he had a huge lawsuit that was brought against him by Kesha because she said he drugged and raped her. Really? Wow. And uh, say so uh, when it first came out, his name wasn't on it. Hmm. He used like a pseudonym that it was produced by some some guy under a different name. Really? And then it eventually came out. It was Dr. Luke. So this is his first hit back since the scandal. Damn. And Dr. Luke, he used to be a, the guitar player for like the SNL band. Yeah. As well. Um, but he's he's had like a he's had a long career, but he's a piece of shit though. Yeah. I I one hundred percent believe it's true. Yeah. You know. Did you? Alleg- well, let me say this: he allegedly raped, drugged, and raped Kesha, like yeah. Bill Cosby style. But. He seems like a piece of shit, like uh, Harvey Weinstein, yeah, that kind of like guy. Real sleazy. That's that's tragic. Did you hear about uh, Bob Dylan? Yeah, he got accused of like raping a twelve-year-old girl or something back right? in the '60s or something yeah. like that. And it, she me tooed him now, or that, that came to like the surface recently. I I could see it. I don't know. I don't know much about the situation, so I can't make a, a judgment. Well, but. the way I look at it is. Look, it could have happened 100%, but also there are no other claims against Bob Dylan that I know of in his entire like 60-year career. Yeah, I heard that, and I was like, Bob Dylan's still alive? (laughs) Yeah, Bob Dylan's still alive. That's wild, man. That's like, uh, to me, that's like if Merle Haggard was still alive, like in that sense, because he's like a classic. A legend, yeah. He's a legend. Um, And And possibly a rapist. And possibly. That's sad, though. I mean, I don't know whether he did or did it. Like, it's, you know, it is tragic to hear that about somebody that you look up to. Yeah. You know, as a songwriter. Um, he can't sing, but he's a great songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can relate to <laughs> Me too, dude. <laughs> um, the Killers have a new album out, too. Have you listened to that yet? Yeah. What did you think of it? Dude, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I like that song, Cody. That's my favorite song. I think my favorite song is probably uh, the first one. It's like Western Hills or something. Mm-hmm. And then the title track, Pressure Machine. Yeah. Pressure Machine was good. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the song after Cody. Um, it, it was really good. It was also one of my favorites. It, they just, to me, they, they all had really good melodies. And they, they were just, they sounded good. It was. Uh, it sounded, it was weird though. Because I didn't expect that kind of thing from the Killers. Yes, but that's what I was just gonna say. But I also am not like a huge Killers fan because I've not listened to a lot of Killers. This is really like they did the song "Mr. Brightside." Yep, that's the only song I'd heard previously to this. So I went into this with that in my head. Yeah, and then when I played it, it didn't like I didn't expect it at all. Yeah, they've um. I think this is their seventh or eighth studio album. They were another band. Okay, so I'll give you another example. So the Killers were just getting big at the time that I was getting into music. So the albums I was listening to, uh, the big three were Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, American Idiot, and then um, Hot Fuss by the Killers. Yeah. And that that album still holds up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's of the times, but it's also like, this is the killers. This is their sound. This is what they're good at. Yeah. Um, 
They're one of the best live shows I've seen. I saw them back in 2012 when I lived in Colorado. Nice. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people talk good things about their their live uh, live show. I definitely need to listen to more of them because that was basically the first album that I'd listened to front to front back. to back by them. Yeah, check out their first album and then check out Brandon so, uh, Brandon Flowers' second solo album. Yeah, called The Desired Effect, which that's another one that kind of has 80s production, but it's at least done in a way that I find tolerable. Me, the king of the world, <laughs> Taylor Berryman finds tolerable. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll definitely give it a listen. The themes of the album too on um, Pressure Machine, it's all about like America, small town America and the, and the dark side of it. Yeah. Because the album starts out with the, it, it was like this, this NPR guy, he went around interviewing people in the town and the first song is of a lady talking about how she loves her town. Then it cuts to another guy, and he talks about how they don't like outsiders. They kind of look down on people. And then it cuts back to the lady talking about it. Damn. And I thought I thought that was kind of interesting. And that's how the album starts is with them. Just yeah. those clips. Yeah. Um, that is serious that, that is interesting though i mean it's definitely a diff- like a different perspective too and and i've not really heard much like it i'll say that because like the way the vocals were mixed were very like drifty in some songs very out there it sounded like it was just in a room like yes like, it sounded a lot like it was just in a room like if we'd recorded vocals in here mm-hmm. but um no and the mixing on it was good too yeah i uh i was pretty pretty impressed with it because i hadn't really liked much of their newer stuff i love their first three albums and then parts of the fourth album mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was kind of a, a different this one's a different ball game for them because it's almost kind of folksy in some ways like some songs are still the killer sound they have the synth and all that but even the lyrics they're they're pretty fucking dark the whole album yeah I, it was definitely it was folky and like I don't know if this is the right word, but kind of sounded Celtic in some way. Absolutely. Could you get that? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounded Celtic in some way. Or like, uh, not tribal. I don't know what the word would be. Like, um, I don't know. But yeah, I took it kind of like a folk album in a way. Brandon Flowers had said that when he was writing these songs, he he grew up listening to a lot of country music. And the Mm -hmm. way he wrote the lyrics for this album, they were country influenced yeah no i definitely i definitely got that that vibe it it you could call it americana for sure yeah like 100 percent. yeah it has more in common with nashville than it does any of the past killers albums Mm -hmm. which again there's still some moments where it's like okay this is the killers yeah but it's different it is different I like that. I like when when artists that don't traditionally do albums like that change up, like when Sturgill did rock, or when Arctic Monkeys did Tranquility Bass. Yeah, like because that was a completely different direction. Yeah, you know, because they had done AM before that, mm-hmm. which was like anthemy, and you know, and then they did Tranquility Bass, which was like jazz rock. Yeah, just completely yeah. weird just, and kind of yeah. out there. Yeah, sci-fi, um, or you know, and Sturgill. Like he's gone all over the place. <laughs> have you listened to the new Surge album yet? I have. What do you think of it? I'm still I'm mixed on it. Still, I'm mixed on it. I don't like it or dislike it right now. It's not like on replay in my car. 
but uh, I like the lyrics that he has for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I haven't listened to it heavily. I've listened to it maybe two or three times, mm-hmm. so I haven't had a lot of time with it. Um, I like that song, Juanita. That's a good song. Yeah. And Willie Nelson, he plays guitar on that song, yeah. and you can hear his sound. It's oh, like, yeah. That Spanish style guitar, yeah, dude. Uh, Trigger, that's his guitar. Yeah, there's a replica. Of yeah, it. Um, but um, yeah, dude, you can always tell, man. He's just got such a like you know when you hear uh, Willie Nelson play, um, and I, I like that song a lot too. And it's kind of cool to get Sturge Holm Willie on the same song. Yeah, that's super sick. Cause like, dude, like Sturgill's, he's the underdog. In some ways. Still, yeah. He's still the underdog. Yeah, I agree with that. He said this is going to be his last album. I didn't know that. Yeah, he said now he wants to focus on trying to bring up, like, artists that are on their up and up. You know what I mean? He wants to try and help them and all the shit that he's learned the past couple of years. He said he might release singles still, though. Yeah. Which, as long as he does that, I'll still be happy. I, I get it. He wanted to do, like, the five album studio plan. And cutting grass was like this little thing just thrown into the side. Yeah. But um yeah, I I fucking love Sturgill. He's playing at the Ryman in November. Yeah. I I want to get tickets to that. Uh I would I would still say, dude, cutting grass volume one still like on repeat in my car some days. Yeah, it is for me too. Like I love that album. And and volume two's good too. I volume one's I think volume one's better. Yeah, it's primo. Yeah, no, I'm <clears throat> I did not know that that was going to be his last album, but it's cool that he's going to be helping other artists try to make, you know, try to rise up. I mean, he helped, he helped Tyler Childers. Yeah. Tyler Childers skyrocketed. He produced Margo, uh, Margo's last album mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's super cool that he's doing that. I, he has a, um, he runs a studio in Kentucky, doesn't he? Sturgill? Mm-hmm. Pretty, I don't I don't know if it's if he runs like no a I'm thinking I'm thinking of Tyler he runs a Hickman Holler but uh, that is where Sturgill produced him oh okay yeah nice out of yeah speaking of upcoming artists I played with Violet Moons uh, this last week at the Five Spot mm. um, I think it went well it was really fun I'm super excited to be playing with them. And uh, you had to have either a negative COVID test or you had to be vaccinated to get in. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of places are doing that uh, now, especially, I mean, here we're starting to see it, definitely. But in, like, New York City, Mm -hmm. it's, like, everywhere I've heard. I think it's going to become the standard. I mean, I get it to a certain degree. A lot of these bars and venues, you got to keep in mind that they were out of business for so fucking long. And they're afraid of going back to that again. Yeah. Because a lot of them almost shut down. I mean, look at what almost happened to like Exit In in the end. We almost lost that completely. Exactly, dude. So I, I honestly feel a little bit empathetic towards them in that regard. Like, I'm not I'm not entirely against it. I didn't give a fuck. Like, I was just like, well, I'll just go and get the, the test because I haven't gotten the vaccine yet. Mm-hmm. Which I'm planning on getting it. I've just been trying to find the one that I want, Johnson & Johnson. One and done. Um, but yeah, I, there was a lot of people blowing up that guy, uh, Todd Sherwood, I think his name is, the, the owner of Exit Inn. There's like a, or not, not Exit Inn, the five spot. Mm. And people were um, 
leaving like bad reviews um, online for the five spot. And there was also a bunch of people that pulled out of playing shows there, which the way that everybody was talking about it at first was that you had to, uh, you had, you could only have the vaccine, but that's not the case. So I think it's unfair for these people, these musicians and these, uh, you know, bar patrons to be going after him when he gives, he gives them the option. Yeah. And it's like, you can, you can take the, uh, the test there in person. They just have to see you do it. Cause uh, with someone that I was there with had to do that. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that's fair if if they want to do that. Is it a minor inconvenience? Yeah. But that should not be a big deal. If you want to get back to normal, yeah. After all this time, and and I I hope that one day like that won't be a thing, you know. We won't have to show a card, but you know, until that day happens, then like that's just what it is, you yeah. know. If you want to play live music, you just gotta nut up or shut up. Yeah, you know, you just gotta roll with it. Yeah. Well, here is a live recording of me playing with. Violet Moons, uh, Josh Norfleet was on guitar, Mike Raciel from The Lovin' was on drums, and then of course Kira and Aubrey, Violet Moons, um, of a song called False Prophet. Here it is. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.